Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers hosted by me, Patrick, or Padumaro, and Hats on Lambs. It's episode 57. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft, and it's been working. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we're going to talk about how our draft week went, thank our patrons, talk about our card of the week, a quick seven-win seven run breakdown, and then our main topic, we're going to do another live draft. I thought we would have a, you know, a great content-filled episode, but I hit Masters this week, so selfishly, I thought maybe I'd use this opportunity to get into top 100. So change of plans, we're just doing a live draft, and it's going to hopefully get me to top 100 tonight. Because as it turns out, I never learned that month song, so I have no idea how many days are in a month, and it turns out tomorrow is May first. Oh, I do so it I, by I do it by knuckles. Whenever <clears throat> I'm not sure what how many days are in a month, I I start on my first knuckle, and then there's a valley between the knuckles. That's February, and then March is a knuckle, and then April is a valley. Valleys have thirty days, and knuckles have thirty-one. And then when you get to like. Uh, let's see, January, February, March, April, June, July, August. August is the last knuckle on one hand. Then you start over on the first knuckle of the next hand. For so August, September have uh, September. 31, Wait, that, that can't be right. <laughs> January, February, March, April, May, June, July. No, July and August. Sorry, July is the last July <laughs> is the last knuckle of the first hand. And then August is the first knuckle. Uh, and then so those two have 31. And then all the valleys have 30 except February, which is the odd man out. So if you hold up your hands next to each other and make fists. Okay. okay. And then no, start no, I was counting. Just I was just figuring out the, thir the, the February thing. But January, yeah. you're saying, has 31. It does. Yeah. That one I knew. Yeah. And then February is valley, but it's a weird one. So it has 28 or 29. And then you go to March is 31. And then April is 30. So they mostly alternate except for July and August. Okay. All right, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's making sense to me. Well, yeah. if you had told me this little tidbit a couple days ago, I might have been more prepared to hit top 100. But um, as it is right now, I have approximately four hours. So we're going to have to make this episode <laughs> snappy. And, <laughs> all right. and, and get through all this yada, yada, yada stuff and get on to the draft. All right. <laughs> All right. So, well, uh, this is my first life hack for drafting eternal is count the days of the month on your knuckles so you're not taken by surprise at the end of the month and you have enough time to make top 100. Insights yeah. from Hats on Lamps. <laughs> you want to know the really embarrassing part by the fact that I didn't know that today was the last day of the month? What? Is my birthday is May 2nd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you should know how many days in the future your birthday is. <laughs> no idea. I was just on a wait for my wife or kids to tell me. That was my <laughs> yeah, yeah, my girlfriend's keeping track of my birthday, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just sort of let it hit me. One day I'll wake up and there will be presents waiting for me. How was your draft week? My draft week was okay. I, I, I did not... I took a long break in between... My two streams, I streamed on uh, on a Wednesday, and then I and then I streamed on uh, the next Tuesday, and I didn't play Eternal in between those two days. And boy, you get rusty real fast if you don't play Eternal. It's a very specific skill, and it's very complicated. So I started making mistakes right away, um, and uh, silly mistakes that made me embarrassed. 
but then I, I got back into it and I, I got I got a few wins under my belt. Um, I'm going to tell a very short story here uh, uh, just to give you a little bit of my past. Um, I, I've done some improv comedy in my past. And once I was on a team in a class and we had to do four class shows and they were pretty high stakes because these were the class shows that would decide uh, to some degree who got to perform on a house team later. And I and my class was just the most toxic, like sort of aggressively competitive class that you can imagine. And it wasn't fun playing with them. And I asked one of my teachers, hey, how do you perform on a team where people aren't nice to each other? And he said, well, you could you could try performing from a place of anger. And I, I thought that's a great idea. And so I went out and I wasn't mean. I wasn't mean to anybody on stage. I'm a fairly generous performer, I think. But I can't. But I started from a place where I just assumed I was angry Um, and I was funny and my scenes went better and the people on stage felt comfortable with me and it sort of mysteriously worked out. So I learned that despite my pleasant demeanor that I sometimes have, my power is in my anger. And so this relates to eternal uh, in the sense that on Wednesday I had a zero three draft for the first time in quite a while. Uh, I just it just bombed. And I had spent a lot of that draft just kind of considering my options very carefully, taking advice from the chat on my stream. Uh, and I just didn't feel good. I didn't feel like it was me really doing it. And after I lost that draft, I could have just closed the stream and said, all right, better not, better luck next week. But instead, I went into another draft just angry as all get out, uh, drafted the meanest little low to the ground Xenon like uh, void recursion Nahid's faithful deck that you've ever seen. Went 7-0 within, I think, a, a half an hour with it. Um, all fueled by just rage. <laughs> like an underlying current of rage that I don't know. I don't know how much I expressed that in the actual stream. You were there. Uh, but it was, uh, but it felt, like I felt more alert, like I was making better decisions, like I was making clearer decisions. And I think it's a useful thing to know about myself that my anger is my power. I don't think anyone else should take that advice unless genuinely their anger is their power and they can use it without hurting people. Because <laughs> a lot of people are like, my anger is my power and therefore I should make people around me miserable. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that my anger is an important part of myself that I can channel for good. I got to remember that sometimes. So that's how my draft week went. How was your draft week? <laughs> yeah. My draft week start, started similarly, where mm-hmm. I I haven't been playing as much draft as I had been. And um, still kind of related to, this is maybe over a month ago now, that horrible losing streak I went in. And that just kind of like turned me slightly off of Eternal for a little bit. And I've been kind of... Ex- experimenting with other things in my free time i started uh i started playing modo um yeah Mag- magic the gathering online yeah one for, of, for, one for of, the first time ever one oh, of oh, the acronyms for magic the gathering online yeah yeah a weird uh a weird <laughs> going from eternal to a much much more ancient program uh-huh but um i've been playing a format called penny dreadful there where it's every they changed the rules recently, but it's every card that is worth less than 0.02 ticks or two cents is legal in the format. And um, that's about 
10,000 plus cards. So it's quite a big, big card pool, but they're all not the best cards. They're kind of like slightly worse than the best cards. Yeah. Or cards that just aren't legal in any other format, really. So, for example, there are some really good cards like Dark Ritual is legal in Penny Dreadful. Oh, um, that's interesting. Because it's... it's they stopped printing it pretty early, but I guess it's banned everywhere. Yeah, it's banned in a lot of formats. And then it's it's always, like, printed in, like, master sets and stuff. So there's just, like, a lot of copies floating around. Okay. And then just people aren't using them. So there, there's weird cards like that that are just legal. So anyway, it's kind of been fun to brew with. That's neither here nor there, but it's been splitting my attention a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I have done two drafts this last week. I got seven wins in both of them. So I did. So how this is different than your story is, I did not have that like come back to Eternal and do horribly experience. But I don't really know what why I've been doing better. It just felt like the decks and people I played against were worse. Sure, that's um, part of it. <laughs> that's always part of it. Yeah, because looking at my decks, I didn't feel like wow, these are real. These are really good decks. I'm definitely not going to win this draft. It just felt like these were kind of medium decks with like a lot of weird... Like I wasn't even sure I was building them correctly because I had a lot of different ways they could go. But they all worked out. I I, uh, I kept winning. So anyway, in that, in that respect, I've been having a good draft week. Oh, good. Congratulations. Yeah, and of course, winning has made me feel a lot more positive about Eternal, so I'm probably going to draft a little bit more. Um, That's good. Um, that is how it goes. Do, yeah, do I don't know if you... Sorry. No, I don't no, know if fine. you felt this, but it. I don't know if it's just that now that the format's old, older, and so more people know what they're doing, so like the average deck is worse because the good cards are sort of more dispersed and i feel like i i work better i don't know i do better in that kind of environment than when all of my opponents have really good decks i tend to not excel <laughs> in that draft environment but when all of my opponents are on sort of medium decks my medium deck uh usually compares much more favorably <laughs> Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think uh, I think where like I think the format has evolved to the point where seeing powerful decks that are not the the same kind of powerful deck that you see over and over again, but seeing the potential for others sort of hidden in there can be a strength. It doesn't always work out, but that's that Xenon deck that I that aggro Xenon deck that I drafted uh, yesterday was kind of like that, where maybe not. Um, maybe not everyone would have zeroed in on that the uh, and and thought oh this is a deck that's actually open and viable uh, at the same time uh, and but uh, but I could also be giving myself too much credit and and anybody would have seen that I'm not really sure but I do know that I started out drafting uh, three colors and then switched to a different three colors partway through the deck and then decided you know this can just be Xenon and also aggressive and it'll be better. And and ended up with the best version of the deck that I could get, and so I think, like, I think it's good to know the powerful archetypes 
and know what the powerful cards are that will generally get you there if you can get enough of them. Uh, in this format, you know, the creation deck with the relic weapons and some of the other combinations that we know are good and be able to rely on those. And, but then if you still want some kind of an edge, then you've got to know that there, if those cards aren't there, that there's other really powerful things that you can do and be willing to experiment there. I think that's what the top drafters do. I know that I still... When I run into Isomorphic on the on the draft ladder, generally Iso is playing something that I have not seen before, <laughs> which is always the most confusing part. It's like, wow, this is a really strong deck that I didn't know was possible, but here it is. I'm losing to it. Um, it's sort of heartening in a way, you know. It's like you, you're not the people who are the top drafters aren't just the people who robotically take the cards that are that are ranked the highest. They're the ones that sort of see the um, what would what would the phrase be? Not the needle in the haystack, but like, uh, you know, the fa- the pattern, the yeah, the the picture in the the picture in the magic eye painting or whatever, mm-hmm. like the picture that not not everyone can see because they don't know how to cross their eyes quite the right way. I think that's true because I've been thinking about this the last couple drafts, but you know, a lot of those like go-to decks at the early in the format and i use early pretty loosely like the first two months of the format you know like i've just had a lot of trouble getting into say the creation weapon deck or even like tjp like i'll draft the tjp colors but it's looks nothing like like the early versions of the relic decks that seemed like constantly open and one of the ways I've noticed this the most is just like I cannot like get a tainted mark in a late enough for me for me to ever take you know like where I feel like it should be going yeah and so I just never draft tainted marks now because uh, I'm never getting them and so I'm like never ending up in that kind of deck anymore. You mean and they're I don't not. Know- what? Like if they're popping up early, there's like a better card. Yeah, I and, guess. And if... I guess I don't even know. It's like one of those things where they're popping up. They, I mean, they must be popping up. I'm obviously opening them, but like they're popping up so early that I don't even notice them in the pack, kind of thing. Yeah, because you don't. Take As them compa- early. compared yeah. to like seeing them, like if I saw them like sixth pick on. Like I, th- I would start seeing them because that's about the like level. But like, you know, they're not going early enough where I would ever think to take them almost, or they're not showing up, or, or yeah, the opposite of what I just said. Okay, they might be showing up early in the packs, but there's just so many good cards that I'm not noticing them, and they're just right. like not showing up late. But I don't even mean like twelfth pick. I mean like sixth pick. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they're not showing up when you when when you're starting to look for them and saying, "Hey, I could use a tainted mark at this point." Yes, exactly. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I think people have caught on to how good relics are in general, so I guess that's not a surprise. I feel like when I need a tainted mark, I usually see one though at this point. Yeah. Um, but that is part of seeing, like, finding your lane and seeing what's actually open. I think one of the other things that I like about a format once it's gone a couple of months is 
that it is a little bit easier to read signals now because people have caught on to the cards that are definitely good, so they're going to take them. Whereas you could see, like, you could see Waystone Gates way too late for a while, and that's rare now. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's always just, like, variance in the pack, so it could just be I went yeah. through, a, I've gone, had a few drafts in a row where just Relics was not open at all. But but a couple of those drafts I did end up in like a TJP deck and just like but it was just like kind of like a mid rangey good stuff TJP as compared to like a TJP relic deck. And um so I just feel like I guess the whole point of this is my last few drafts, even though I've been doing well, I haven't really ended up in these like synergy archetypes that felt so strong in the beginning. You know, I haven't even, you know, none of them have been like the stereo, like what you would expect the stereotypical deck to look like in each of the arc, in each of the color, tri colors that I ended up drafting or whatever. What were the colors of the last two decks? Uh, my last two decks, I drafted a TJP deck and then yeah. I drafted uh, an FPS deck. FPS. So yeah. that's Menace. And TJP is the Relic one. Is, or, or Tradition. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to have a super amount of synergy for you to just have some good cards. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. All okay. Right, well, we're both in a perfectly fine place in our drafting eternal career. Yeah, I agree. So on at this point, uh, we like to thank our patrons for supporting the show. For those of you who are not patrons, you can check us out at patreon.com slash farming eternal, where you can donate um, for as little as a dollar a month and get your name read out here, as well as help support the show to keep it going, uh, pay for servers, host or hosting costs and stuff like that. Um, and not just towards our Patreon goals. So... As always, we like to thank Mercurio Blue, Abinago, Meagles, Madness, Tyson Blossom, Parmalee, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Cassandrith, Jed the Hamrid, Raven Dragon, Esridge 0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Neostout. Thanks again for all your support. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. And card of the week. What is your card of the week this week? My card of the week is Carvet Redeemed. Uh, and uh, this is. Uh, this is not a card that's in our current draft format, as far as I know. I think it's a, I think it's a campaign card, or it was released in a small pack, or something like that, or uh, like the last time we got like a set of twenty cards. I don't know, uh, but it was in the Scion draft. Uh, so first, I'm going to read the card. Carvet Redeemed is uh, costs five shadow. It is a nightmare dragon. Has six strength and six health. It has flying. Um, at the end of each player's turn, Carvet deals one damage to them, and when Carvet deals damage, you gain FPS uh, in influence. So, um, Scion Draft was uh, an event uh, that we had for a week. Uh, I think it's the first time that Direwolf has done this, where they had a draft event, um, and they, they, they curated uh, draft they packs. Technically... Te they have done a flashback draft of set one. Oh, great. Okay. Once before. But this okay, is the cool. first 
uh, sort of curated. Yeah, this is the first like curated draft event. And uh, they wanted to make it a uh, they wanted to include as many powerful cards as they could. They made all of the cards of equal rarity and then just picked them from a list of of some of the strongest cards throughout Eternal's history. So you had a lot of very high powered uh, but slow decks. And then there were a couple of ways to do aggro if you were tricky about it. Um, and, and I do think that they got the prize structure really really wrong on this uh, because it was a phantom draft so you couldn't keep the powerful cards you were drafting and that makes sense because it was a lot of legendaries and stuff uh, but it was expensive it was 4,000 gold to get into it I think three 300 gems um, and you all of the rewards were card packs instead of gold so you didn't get any currency back that you could use to enter the event again I think that's wrong for a limited event I think you should be able to get gold back so that you can re-enter because it's fun to grind draft it's not fun to just try out a brand new format like that uh spend a lot of gold on it and then not be able to do it again if you don't have the currency so i have i think everyone has an argument with that but i did like the format it was super fun i struggled at first when i started playing it but then i got a couple of good decks and started you know again seeing the uh, seeing the picture in the magic eye painting. I'm sure there's a better metaphor for that. Um, but anyway, uh, Carvet is a pretty vanilla card considering how much synergy there was. There were all kinds of like, there was reanimator and there was like dinosaur theme. There were transformation themes. There were all kinds of things that were sort of supported. But I realized that my decks would be better the more Carvets I had in them because the, it's a 6-6 six, six flyer for five. And that's really the only reason. <laughs> so as soon as I started drafting Carvet over anything else, I started winning. And uh, that's not the most fun way to approach a format, unless you're like me and winning is the point. <laughs> but, but it was kind of interesting to see that, is that a format can be totally warped just around good stats on, a, on, a, on an evasive creature. Um, there were combos that Carvet had in the format. There's, uh, I don't remember the name of the card, and I'm not even going to try to describe it because it's got more text on it than most novels. But there's a throne relic where if uh, your one of your units deals damage to your opponent, uh, the throne like ticks up, and then on the third tick, it produces like a, a, a Duraka, I think. It's a, it's a unit that like stuns another unit until it leaves the board, and it's like a 7-7 seven, seven with Overwhelm. With Aegis, right? No, not. I don't think it has Aegis. It might, though. For all I know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and the card's then on, called uh, Throne Room, by the way. Throne Room. Yeah. Um, and then another three ticks just brings out Island, uh, who is the, like the six twelve that does six damage when she comes into play. Uh, it's it's absurd. And then with Carvet, uh, you get that in like one and a half turns. Because Carvet comes out, on your opponent's turn, Carvet hits them. That counts for Throne. On, on your turn, you attack them with Carvet. And then on their turn, they get hit by Carvet again, and Throne activates. Um, it was absurd. It happened to me. I didn't get to do it. But um, Carvet was good without Throne. And then if you had Throne, uh, then uh, it was essentially unbeatable. Because you're... Anyway. Anyway. Um, I just thought it was... I just wanted to talk about Carvet a little bit because in a format with so many powerful cards, the fact that one of the very best ones is just a giant dragon that hits that hits in the face and is and if is like all it would take is a removal spell, but 
not all removal spells kill a 6-6 flyer. Uh, it's a valuable thing for approaching a new format is to remember, no matter how much synergy matters, you can get through it by just, like, analyzing cards on their sheer strength how much bang you're getting for your buck and then just say oh that might be the best card maybe that's it yeah but sort of the grown favorite effect where it's just a six five for five that takes out one threat and that's all it needs to be i agree i think there's um a lot of things to say about the scion draft i hope they do it again and it lasts a little longer next time so that we have time to talk about it on the podcast yeah because uh, you know it was like less out less than a week so yeah i hope everyone got all the scion drafts they wanted in <laughs> so that's but, it <laughs> but i agree with your assessment i only did two of the drafts and i didn't like get seven wins or anything but really felt to me like <laughs> because there were so many cool big cards people just like forgot how to make a good draft deck and i felt like you could do very well in scion draft just by like remembering hey it's pretty nice to have a curve hey playing eight drops is actually pretty challenging in draft mm -hmm. and if you're going to play eight drops probably want to play like 20 power or something and so i played some i ended up playing um a bunch of um jps decks that just happened to have jps cards in them they weren't like you know often they were like Argentport splashing something and i beat a lot of opponents because they would get stuck on power and i would just be playing power every turn because i played pretty power hungry decks and you know so yeah. and i tried to remember to put two drops in my in my decks which um which actually was kind of one of my related to my one of my complaints. I agree with you about the prize structure, but also I did feel like I hope next time they they balance the cards a little better because I, I felt a little bit like they had maybe too many like bad or totally just like situational cards in the packs. And also, really, just like not enough two drops. Yeah, there weren't enough two drops. And I guess that kind of slows down the whole format so people have time to do their big flashy things. Uh, yeah. I just felt like I opened a bunch of packs, like not even just one or two, where it's like I was like forced to take like an eight drop because none of the other cards were worth playing. And it just like, and I, and I don't know, I felt like I just like there were, I had a few too many packs where I felt punished just by like random chance of opening bad packs than like drafting poorly or whatever. It just like felt like, there was just like a few too many weird filler cards and I would have been a little happier with, you know, uh, with just some <laughs> more just like, I say vanilla, not in like no text, but just like your bread and butter 
good limited cards. Yeah, I think that's part of designing a good curated draft format like this uh, is to make sure that you have enough of that. It's, I think it's a, I think it's quite a challenge. Like I wouldn't want to have to design a format that made everyone happy. Yeah, uh, but I think they can still improve on what they did here. But I also think it was a really good idea and a good start. And if they make some tweaks. I'm really going to be looking forward to it every time they decide to bring it back. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like you said, if the prize structure was a little better, it also dulls the pain of any like issues with the format a little bit more, too. Because it, it, yeah. it feels, for me, it felt like a lot worse to spend 4,000 gold and then open like five just like unplayable packs in this like Scion draft where you're just like, okay, I guess I'm just taking five eight drops that i don't want yeah it really discourages experimenting and and i think that's a a lot of the fun of draft is is being able to experiment a little bit so any any choices they make that discourage people from experimenting with like like they must have thought about how to design this format a lot you know they must have put some real effort and love into it and to have a prize structure that discourages people from experimenting and instead encourages, you know, people like me to just take Carvet Redeemed and walk all over the format, like that's not uh, that's not healthy. You want the format to be a little bit more relaxed and fun than that, I think. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. All right. So my card of the week is also a pretty good card. It is playable in the current format. Um, though it is strange burglar and that is the four stone scar five four rogue stranger and it says when a player plays a stranger their unit gets plus one attack this turn pay two exhaust strange burglar and sacrifice another unit to draw three cards and take three damage so my question to you yes is is there ever a deck where it's not worth splashing for Strange Burglar if you're in one of the colors. Um, I mean, I could probably imagine a deck where you wouldn't want yeah, to. Yeah, obvi- obviously you could imagine you could imagine a deck, but like <laughs> if you're if you're already in it, one of the main, you're already in one of the colors. Yeah, and you've got and a Strange the, Burglar. The second color would be like a third your splash color. I got gotcha. you. So you're in two colors. You're in you're in you're in Skycrag. You've got a strange burglar. Do you splash for it? I think usually you do. Uh, right. I think it's a strong enough card that it's usually going to be worth worth throwing uh, three three sources of a of a splash color in. Yeah. Yeah, because this is like one of those. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and uh, this kind of came up. Uh, in a draft I had earlier this week where I actually sort of coincidentally was in a Skycrag deck and it was a Skycrag deck that was, I don't know, I guess pretty low to the ground and it had this small um, spell spell damage synergy where I had a Wizen Crone, I had an Iceberg Warchief and maybe one other, oh, and a Spellstorm Stranger and then a couple you know, cute spell damagey cards, you know, or a couple cards like um, two ruinous bursts, uh, greed's reward, and whatever. But then I also picked up a strange burglar, 
And it just seemed like you just had this Blast of Strange Burglar because it's so strong of a card, sort of irrespective of whether I had any sacrifice synergies or even any units I wanted to sacrifice. Uh, yeah, and I think that's generally true. I think one of the things about Strange Burglar is that if you took out uh, one of its attributes, it would still be a strong card. Like, if it, if it was a 5-4 four for 4 that that gave all of your units plus one strength the turn that it came into play, that would still be a pretty good card that you would maybe even splash for. Like, it lets you attack with units that you wouldn't otherwise be able to on the turn that it comes into play. Um, if you took out the plus one strength ability and it just had the drawing cards thing and was smaller than it is, then it would still be a strong card. You know, the fact that it has all of these abilities and it's a really good size for its cost uh i guess just sort of makes it one of the one of the strongest cards that you can really play in this format so yeah that's why it's such a good splash yeah and that's what i feel and it's a card because of its second ability well actually because of both abilities it's great to play early it's great to play late and even if you and and i guess that's one of the things is like I actually like what you just said there about how either one of its abilities is really good. And I want, I feel like people get stuck on the fact that you're like, oh, if I'm like in a low unit count deck, I don't, I'm never going to want to sacrifice anything. So it's not worth putting in my deck, but it's still a five, four for four. And it buffs your other units when it comes in, in which can be useful. So like, even if you're not very likely to ever sacrifice with it, it still might be worth playing just because it's a strong card on its own. And it at least gives you the option to sacrifice if you do need to dig for one of your win conditions. Yeah, I, I think I, it's, that's an interesting thing that you bring up because I do think that a lot of people will undervalue a card with a lot of text sometimes because they have it categorized as as belonging in a certain type of deck. Um, I think like this I think this applies to Jade Horn, which we talked about last time, uh, which is a rare that's obviously very well geared towards um, relic weapon decks because on the turn that it comes into play, it allows you to attack twice with your relic weapon. But if you took out that text, it would still be a very strong card because it has War Cry and Pledge, and it's a 3-3 three, three for 3 that gives you 3 armor when it comes into play. Um, and that's just a great card no matter where you're putting it. And I think Strange Burglar is similar, where it obviously is great if you have like a lot of corrupted units or tokens or, or things that you actively want to sacrifice. But if you don't have that, it's still an amazing card. Uh, and... I think there's a, quite a few cards like that that get undervalued because they get um, they get sort of pigeonholed uh, in people's minds, and it's a good thing to remember that just pure stats and uh, uh, is 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 a perfectly fine way to evaluate a card. Like in in Shadow, if you pay for the uh, four Shadow, you can get a four three with no text on it. You know, just as a comparison, and this is a yeah. rare, and that's a common, but also it's a huge upgrade. And then it has all this text besides, and it gives value to your two two influence fixing strangers when you draw them, because then when you play them, those buff your team too. Um, yeah, it's one of those cards that's much much more than the sum of its parts because it does so many different things well. 
<sighs> yeah, and even when cards like want you to do something, it's like you don't actually have to be doing that thing if you, you know, like with the sacrifice. You don't need to be in a sacrifice deck because it can just be there just in case you ever have an opportunity to sacrifice. You know, it's like you don't have to take the full advantage of the card. You know, like with Jade Horn, if you just happen to have one relic weapon, maybe one of the games you happen to get its synergy off, but you're not required to only play in a deck where you're best utilizing that line of text. Oh, not at all. Um, yeah, it, 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 yeah, if you're a, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good card evaluation tip for less experienced players, too, is to not get too worried about the text on a thing, is to really start by, uh, by looking at the effect that it has just on the physical board um and and start there and then and then look at its its sort of case by case uses and like the kind of archetype that it fits into the best um later like look at that stuff once you have a better feel for the format or for draft in general but getting a good idea of of getting a certain size of unit with its basic battle skills for uh for the cost that you're paying for it is the first thing that you need to be able to to look at um, got to bring it back to Carbot Redeemed. It's a 6-6 six, six flyer for 5. Um, if that were a common, it would be way overpowered, even though it didn't, doesn't have any particular synergy with anything. Like, it could be a, you know, it could be a Kieran, and, and its type couldn't matter to anyone, and that would still be a way overpowered card that you would just rue the day that it was made a common. If it were an uncommon, it would still be the best possible uncommon. If it were a rare, you would take it over absolutely everything. You know, like the just be, because of its stats. Um, maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, but I do feel like it's applicable to Strange Burglar as well. Because if Strange Burglar were a four three, it would be kind of like, oh, uh, there's going to be times when I don't want to play a four three for four, and you wouldn't just splash for it no matter what. But the, but Strange Burglar trades for almost everything on the ground as well as doing all of these other things. So even if you have only three life left and you can't trade in another unit for three cards. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a huge whack of unit for, for power. Also, uh, if you're playing a deck with a curve with like two drops and three drops that eventually can't attack into your opponent's larger units, trading them in is fine because even though they're not intended to be traded in, you're still trading them for another three cards. Um, so Burglar is almost never unable to use its ability. Yes, I agree. Also, you don't get to play with it that often because it's a rare. It's true. Though I open and get past a lot of Strange Burglars. I've played a way more than my fair share of Strange Burglars in this draft format. Yeah, I do think that if people are passing them habitually, they're probably doing something wrong or they're not identifying their lane correctly. Yeah. Um, all right, so on to our seven-win-run breakdown. This is our long-standing data collection here where we get... Um, Seven win drafts from our listeners, and you can send them either to farmingeternal at gmail.com or post them to our seven win channel on the Farming Eternal Discord in either exported deck lists or any kind of any kind of war cry link. And then we sum that up in a spreadsheet as well as read everyone's names who's who took the time to send in deck lists. And as always, a thank you to John Holio for entering all the lists. So this week our new contributors are one Dr. Zoe One. Aeroshine, Blake, Handyman, Sigma Tank. 
as well as our veteran contributors of Abinego, Beard Broken, Cheese Burglar, Collector, Commander Salamander, Hats on Lamps, Jed, Jedi EJ, Jed the Homerid, Cassandrith, Mark E, Mercurial Blue, Nothership, Out on a Limb, Parmalee, Patamaru, Sakarnen, Santa Clausus, Sluffer 13, Steve Irwin, Sunblaze, Tempest Dragon King, Titus and Blossom, Twin Hex, and Vader. Thank you again for taking the time to send in the deck lists. So we haven't done a show in a couple weeks, so we've gotten a bunch of deck lists um, in in that time. And it's actually still kind of similar. The, the trends that I'm noticing is time is still the most drafted faction, but it's a lot less. We're now at 63% than in the 70s to 80s that we were in the first two iterations of the format. Um, and all of the other factions are doing more or less equal in the 40s, except for Justice, which is a little bit lower. So this is a much more balanced format, like we said last time we talked about this. Again, not much to say. It's you know We've been in this format for a long time, so the sort of the meta-analysis of the data is all the same. Um, I might take some time this week to figure out, to kind of look over if any cards are doing well. We haven't really... Um, been doing a lot of card by card analysis recently. Um, so if I do have time, I might look into that for next week. We'll see. But on to the most important part of this show, which is getting me into top 100 this month. No promises. So what? <laughs> no promises. No. <laughs> we might not see hats again if. <laughs> no. Depending on the state of this draft. Oh, so. everything rides on this. Okay, so we're going to go through a live draft here. We're going to talk about the relevant picks. Um, and then, if we have time, uh, kind of comment on a, on a game or two. So we're looking at a pack one, pick one here. Our rare is Tattoo Dragon. That's a 4-3 for 4 fire fire. Uh, it has Flying Pledge. Uh, when you draw your second card in a turn, play a 2-2 Oni Grunt. That's our Nightmare Dragon. Uh, pretty good rare. Uh, that we our uncommons are uh, Zoltan Arbalist. That's the one four relic weapon. Costs four justice. Justice. It has War Cry. On the turn that it comes into play, it gets plus two strength. So it comes in as a three four, um, and it gives you one armor when you draw it. That's its fate ability. And then uh, we have a Defile. That's the uh, two shadow fast spell kill an enemy unit with cost three or less steal it and put it into your void there's also a dark betrayal is not on the same power level uh and then we've got a few commons there's a burning core drake there's a rectifier uh book club yeti i guess outlooks but overlook spotter and i guess steely stranger would be the relevant ones i think rectifier is the strongest of the commons mm -hmm. uh so what do you think about this i think we just take i don't know I feel compelled to take Tattoo Dragon. I kind of want to take Defile, though. Yeah, I can see that that would be a consideration. I think I would still take the Tattoo Dragon. Like, in general, I like to have difficult threats rather than um, rather than strong answers. Mm -hmm. And Tattoo Dragon, uh, if it didn't have its text on it and that made two two oni grunts it would still be pretty strong just as something just as a four three with flying and pledge for an efficient yeah. cost so 
I tend to think that it's just sort of a strong opening. Yeah, um, I think th- I think it's the pledge that I, I've just been a little off of taking these double influence cards early that's recently. Fair. Yeah, um, yeah, and and that's a that's a real consideration. I think it's easy in this format to end up with a a pretty strict influence requirements for for if you want to be able to play everything in your deck, it's an easy trap to get into. So for sure, I just still think Tattoo Dragon is the is the strongest card. Yep, and here we go. We'll take Tattoo Dragon. So in this pack, the rare is still here. It's Shield of the Line. That's a 1-1 with charge for one time. Uh, once per turn, you can pay four to give it uh, plus um, uh, strength and health equal to the highest health among the units in your void. Um, there's a Shard Binder in the Uncommon slot. It's uh, it's the 3-2 with Overwhelm for two time. The first Relic ability, use Spellcraft or Activate each turn costs three less. Pretty strong card. Uh, display of purpose is the um, is the purpose display. I guess I'm not saying anything there. Uh, one of its abilities is give your uh, unit one of your units plus one plus one and exalted. Another one is deal seven to an enemy unit play this turn, uh, and the last is steal an enemy relic with cost three or less. Uh, relevant commons. There really aren't any relevant commons. None of these are. None of these are super strong. Yeah, I think we just take a shard binder here, right? I agree. I think it's by far the most powerful card in the pack. Display is probably stronger, but um, but it is three colors and none of which match our first pick. So might as well just take shard binder, which is a yeah. strong card. Yeah, I never know where to take shield of the line because I have actually seen that do work. Mm-hmm. You know, as just being a one drop that almost, you know, very Spike Tail Kieran esque. It is unlike Spike Tail Kieran. It doesn't have as much of a last lasting effect on the board. It also doesn't have an evasion ability. Yes. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to kind of chump block. Whereas Spike Tail Kieran kind of demands that you kill it when it comes in and attacks, because otherwise your entire board gets buffed permanently. Yes, that's true. I, yeah, Shield of Line does is a little cheaper to activate, yeah. though it's also a little less reliable on what stat buff you're getting. So it's kind of an interesting card. It definitely is. Uh, so here in pack, so we've got a Shard Binder and a Tattoo Dragon in our pile. Here in pack three, uh, the uncommons are Touch of Resilience. That's the two Shadow Touch that gives one of your units revenge and then gives a unit... Weapon or spell in your hand, revenge. There's also a thunder of wings, which uh, is a five cost spell, five fire. Play a four two dragon with flying and charge, and you can exhaust a unit to play thunder of wings for two less. Uh, there are some reasonable commons here. There's grave watch ancestor. There's covetous stranger. Uh, I guess those are the two strongest ones. Enchanted plate mail to some degree. Uh, what do you think here? Yeah, I think a, this is an easy Thunder of Wings. Yeah, Thunder of Wings is one of the best uncommons in the set, I would say. 4-2 uh, four, two, four, two flying charge creature is pretty great. Yep, and it's in a color we want to be, so it gets yeah. you know, a further boost there. Yeah, we've got two strong dragons. That's a nice place to be. Uh, so pack four. Uh, the uncommons are not too strong. There's a touch of purity. That's the lifesteal touch. Uh, there's a couple of tokens, token of tradition and token of menace. There is a blade crafter, um, and there is a triumphant return, and I think those are the relevant cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is also a stone powder bomber. 
There is a stone powder bomber for sure. And and I don't know. This is this is uh, interesting. I guess. Um, yeah, for me, it's almost between Stone Powder Bomber and Triumphant Return. Whether I, because I think Triumphant Return is the best card in this pack, besides for maybe the tokens here. Um, but none of the tokens. There's no time fire token, so they're no, like there a little less exciting right now. Um, so I guess I wonder: do we just take Triumphant Return? Um, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think it's that much stronger than the other choices. Um, and if you're if you're if you've got a couple of dragons, um, getting into getting into shadow is is not a bad thing because there's quite a bit of uh, dragon synergy in those two colors. Yeah. All right. So we'll take a triumphant return here. Okay. This pack. Uh, there's another touch of purity as an uncommon in the. Let's see. Relevant commons. I guess there's a covetous stranger. Uh, there's another blade crafter. There's an entranced cultist. Uh, token of menace. Uh, there's a skeletal dragon, which I might as well mention because it is shadow and it is a dragon. But uh, I don't think anyone's high on skeletal dragon, even if you can bring it back from the yard. The yeah. void. Uh, what do you think here? I think I have a pretty, pretty clear pick. I would just take covetous stranger here. That would be my pick as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good two drop. There's some drawbacks to it because it is very small for its cost. But there are games where you just get to attack with Covetous Stranger or some other uh, sacrificial stranger a couple of times and just outdraw your opponent. So it's a fine card. Yeah, and this is kind of a pick that sort of highlights what I was trying to describe in how my week was going. Where you know, especially early on in the format, we were very high on Blade Crafters and like almost taking every Blade Crafter we saw. But the Blade Crafter is in a very, like, synergistic... You know, you need good weapons to really get the most value out of Blade Crafter. And those... I am just feel like I'm seeing less of these, like, obvious... <laughs> these, like, obvious ready-made decks recently. And that has made me lower on Blade Crafter. Because I feel like I'm not just going to be able to force my way into a great weapons deck like you could earlier where a lot of these really good cards for certain synergy strategies would go really late the other factor is that you don't need very many blade crafters or dragon forges or other ways to search up weapons before you have enough yeah even if you've got a ton of great weapons in your deck you don't really need to go search for them you'll draw them mm-hmm. so here in this pack uh this next pack uh, the rare is Crack the Earth. Uh, that's the that's the market card that makes a 1-1 cultist, and then you can swap a card for a 5-cost card from your market. Um, I don't think it's unplayable in draft, but it's also not a high pick. Uh, in the common section, uh, you're, we've been seeing Overlook Spotters a lot, and there's another one, but it's, no, it's not a signal. There's a Calibrate, there's an Assault Shield, there's a Rage Heart Paladin, um, and then there's a Token of Purpose. What do we think here? Yeah, this is a tough pick for me. Um, I, at one time, I would have said Rage Heart Paladin, but again, I haven't been getting into these relic decks, so 
I'm like less excited about it. Um, yeah, it's not an exciting card if you don't have relics. That's for sure. Yeah, this token of purpose is like really not close for us. Nope. I'm not excited about assault shield. I could see overlook spotter because that's we would be in a supported color, but also calibrate and crack the earth would keep us in a supported color too. Um, so I would probably take calibrate, but I guess maybe crack the earth is good as a market card and yeah, maybe cal crack the earth is good as just as a market card. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've been seeing other justice cards up until now. We've been seeing sort of medium ones, which doesn't mean that people are, uh, which doesn't mean that people are staying out of justice. They just haven't seen any cards that they want. Uh, we haven't been seeing time. So I'm a little bit wary about getting in on time even yes. deeper. Uh, but nothing here is strong for us. Uh, but And Calibrate is a little bit like Rageheart Paladin, where if you don't have any relics, I don't think it's actually playable. Mm -hmm. And you might as well just play a Sigil at that point. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I still would probably take the Rageheart Paladin in case some sort of relic thing came together, because it's just stronger than the other cards. Like, its top end is better. Yeah. Um, and maybe just say that this isn't a pick that's probably going to make our deck no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like to waste a pick, of course. You could take a salt shield in that situation, too. But I think it's better to just uh, to just take the strong card so that you've got a few more options if uh, colors end up open that you didn't expect. So here in this next pack... Um, all of the commons are worth mentioning, I think. There's a Soul Drain Smithing, a Tainted Mark, a Steely Stranger, a Humbug Nest, a Brood of Aramot, and an Ensnare. Uh, so this just throws all of the signaling under the bus at this point. I agree. I mean, this makes me most excited to be in Primal. Mm -hmm. And, yeah... And kind of wondering if we should have left on your comment of seeing a lot of Overlook Spotters and just taken Overlook Spotter last pack. Maybe. Overlook Spotter would still have been a medium card, even if we get into Primal now. Yeah, no, I agree. I guess that's true. Um, and I don't know. This kind of makes me just want to take Brood of Aramont. Yeah, I would... I th uh, this is yeah this is probably brood of Aramot, but also I think in a weird way it might be steely stranger um, because we just took a justice card and then this would be another justice card and we all already have a covetous stranger might be wrong I feel like this is a trap that I sometimes fall into is like well I got a stranger I might as well take other strangers so that my strangers are better strangers uh, but brood of Aramot is the strongest single card and uh, that is. That is relevant. It's also a dragon in case we do pick up any kind of dragon synergies. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's interesting. I would, Steely Stranger is not really on my radar. I would have said the other card is maybe Tainted Mark just because it goes with the Rage Heart Paladin, so it puts us yeah. kind of into Primal, but also synergizes with the card we have. That's true. Uh, but it 
It doesn't, I mean, it. Well, it's only somewhat synergizes with things. Remember, Tainted Mark really is a really slow card. If you're attacking in the air with big dragons, your opponent is dead pretty soon. Tainted Mark is at its best when you're doing a little bit of damage, uh, a little bit of evasive damage, so you can really get some value off of it. Otherwise, you're mostly, I mean, you're playing it for it to be a large relic, but you don't want to just play it because it's a large relic. Yeah. I don't know. Um I, I wouldn't be excited about the Tainted Mark here. We could take Brood of Aramut and see where this goes, but that is, I think we've got one of everything at this point, if we do that, which is fine. We can just, that means we've got to start no matter what our second faction ten, ends up being. <laughs> exactly. That's a way to look at this positively. Yeah. So yeah, we'll take Brood of Aramut here, I think. I mean, all of our cards are good. We just have to figure out which ones we're going to be able to play. Uh, so there's an uncommon here, which is Frostbite Chrysalis. That's the 4-6 uh, for 6 Primal Primal. When you play a Relic, stun an enemy unit. Um, and then the commons are Calibrate, Double Helix, Drake, Pause for Reflection, and Skeletal Dragon. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Do we just take the Frostbite Chrysalis? I would take the Chrysalis here, yeah. We don't have any relic Relics to activate it at this point. Um but I, I like the card when you do have relics. I think it's fairly strong. And the other cards in this pack aren't. Yeah. Yeah, I think if I were drafting without your influence, I would have two calibrates in my pool right now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, here, uh, here there's another Frostbite Chrysalis. The commons are Switchblade, Deadeye, and Sky King Storyteller. Uh, a Sky King Storyteller this late says to me that really justice is fairly open. Uh-huh. Because it it's a fine card, and it's a three-drop. We don't have three-drops. Um, we don't have any way of activating a Switchblade Deadeye at this point. No, we don't, no. So you want to take the Storyteller? I would say, yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's also an Ensnare here. Um but I really, I, I feel like Storyteller this late is a pretty clear signal. There's only four cards left in the pack, and it's a fine playable. All right. And you don't want to take the Chrysalis because there's only so many six drops you want to play. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chrysalis might not make a deck in the end, even if we end up in Primal, if we don't get pick up any Relics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here we've got Entranced Cultist, Switchblade, Deadeye, and Rune Marker. Um so, again, signals are a little all over the place, but we did see a Deadeye in the last pack as well. Yeah, so I'll take the Deadeye. Yeah, let's take the Deadeye. Uh, now there's an Inferno Zealot and a Skeletal Dragon. Uh, I think Inferno Zealot is a fine card to pick up this late. Yeah. Good old 8-1 Overwhelm Pledge. And then our last pick is a Nesting Raven. All right, a little bit back to being all over the place. We are all we are all over the place here, and I think it's okay. Um, yes. We've got a lot of good cards, and we just need to find a direction. Just ending the first pack with a bunch of good cards that don't happen to be all playable because they're in different factions is okay. You just need to make sure that you have enough uh, playables when you, it all is said and done. So here we are in pack two. We're into the curated draft packs. The rare is Master's Lesson. Uh, it co- it's a spell. It costs four Justice, Justice, Primal, Primal. Um, it's a mentor card. You uh, exhaust a unit when you cast it and then draw a card for each of that unit's battle skills. Um, and then uh, in the uncommons, there's a cloud of ash. It's a spell that costs four fire. Exhaust all enemy units. That's a spell that you kill your opponent with. Um, 
usually. Uh, there's a Savage Denial, which is uh, one Primal Fast spell negate an enemy fast spell. Uh, there's a Skywalk Enforcer. Uh, that's a that's three Primal Shadow for a 1-4 Flyer uh, that gets plus two strength whenever you play a Curse. Uh, and then here in the common section, there's a Magma Javelin, there's a Marsh Dragon, there's a Huru Fledgling. Uh, I think those are the best commons. Hmm. Am I missing anything? I'm kind of... I don't know. I, for me, it's between Cloud of Ash and Marsh Dragon. I think it's that. That's that's what it is for me, too. And I would lean towards Marsh Dragon here, I think. That's where I would lean towards, too. But I didn't know if that was wrong, because we are kind of... This deck is a little bit heavy right now. With, it is. With high drops, and... Which makes me be like, well, this is not a good Cloud of Ash deck, per se, but you kind of hope your deck will end up being a good Cloud of Ash deck, so maybe that shouldn't be a point against it. In a weird way, though, uh, there's just there's absolutely nothing in this deck that wants you to cast a cloud of, a cloud of ash. You know, like no, I, you've got I, yeah. like Inferno Zealot, which doesn't really care if your opponent's uh, units are exhausted. You know, it's just sort of like oh, we've got flyers and things with overwhelm. It's fine. Um, yeah, but I do think, but see, my thing would be like with like an Infernal Zealot and stuff. You kind of want that to be in a deck. <laughs> that does have two and three drops. Sure. Which yeah, this do. deck currently does. Um, it does so. not, no. Um, you're right, but I think we'll end up with some two and three drops. Uh, we may have to take a bad two or three, two, two or three drop over some other card at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about but, Marsh Dragon is that it is just awesome. Yeah. All right, let's take the Marsh Dragon. Okay, so the rare is Banish. That's a three-time shadow fast spell. Kill an enemy unit or relic with cost five or less. Uh, Uncommons, there's a Merciless Stranger. That's the 3-3 for five shadow uh, and makes all strangers deadly. There's a Seed of Fury. uh, That gives you Fire Primal. And let's take a look at the commons. There's an Elysian Stranger, Levitate, Combray Banner. All the rest of the commons are pretty bad. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I wonder, do we take the Banish? Yeah, I kind of think so. I think Banish is... I mean, Banish is a super good card. It kills practically everything. And, um... um like, uh, yeah. I, I mean, we don't know uh, necessarily if we're going to be in time but a banish is worth splashing for if we got the fixing so and it's it's uh the strongest card in this pack by a long shot and we're already probably playing one of its colors so yeah all right i'll take the banish this pack uh the uncommon is infinite hourglass that gives all of your units endurance for one time, it's a relic. For some reason, people really want me to pick this on stream. Maybe it's just one person that wants me to pick this on stream. Not sure. There is uh, there's also a Vizier's Tablet, which I do not think anyone should play in draft. There is a Magma Javelin. These are the commons. Uh, Talent of Nostrix. A Disjunction. That's kind of it. Uh, Trickster's Cloak, I guess. Honeypot. I think Magma Javelin and Disjunction would be the two best commons here. 
Yes, I I agree. And I I don't even I don't even know. <laughs> I feel the like this, we just I feel finish. like this draft is is getting you down somehow. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I think this is this is like a very medium draft. That's we'll see how it turns out. It'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah we'll see how it turns out. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards the disjunction but that's just because i picked up a banish which makes maybe because they have the same effect that should make me lean away from disjunction i don't I know think this is a situation where we want to start putting our mind towards um uh, making sure that we get enough playables and that our deck will be mainly two colors flashing a third uh which makes me want to take the magma javelin um just so we have some removal that's in a that's in one of our stronger uh, main factions. We don't yeah. actually have a ton in fire, but we have two of our best cards, Thunder of Wings and Tattoo Dragon, are still there. And we yes. have been seeing a steady flow of playable fire cards. We just haven't taken them because there's been stronger cards in other factions. All right, I like that. I'm definitely easily sold on Magma Javelin here. Yeah. Take Magma Javelin. So here's, uh, there's two uncommons here. There's an Ageless Mentor, and a, uh, that's the, the two, three for three time. Each unit in your hand with cost four or more gets plus two, plus two. There's Skyfire Hellkite, which is the seven, four for seven, fire, fire. Um, when it, you summon it, each of your units deals one damage to the enemy player. Uh, there are some commons here. There's a Lightning Strike, a Vara's Favor, and a Peacekeeper's Helm. Um... This is a choice. Yeah. I kind of want to take the Ageless Mentor. I think that's probably right. Yeah, uh, we might end up splashing Shadow instead of splashing Time, in which case Ageless Mentor is, uh, if it's like one of our main factions, it's going to be great. Yes. Unfortunately, it doesn't make Thunder of Wings bigger because Thunder of Wings is a spell, but it makes... uh, It makes... Like right now, tattoo dragon and marsh dragon bigger, and that's plenty. Yeah, yeah, and inferno zealot, and inferno zealot. If we play inferno zealot for sure, yeah, hellkite would be an awesome pickup here too. But ageless mentor is just uh, kind of a bomb. Okay, yeah. uh, this next pack has a cabal cutthroat uh, in the uncommon. That's a two-two with life steal for two and shadow. There's a skycrag insignia that gives fire and primal. Uh, the commons are, I mean, there's an acclaimed artisan. Uh, there's a rotor cycle. That's kind of it. There's a levitate. Um, I kind of like cabal cutthroat here. <clears throat> I guess if I... we're splashing shadow though, then it's not the best pick. Yeah, that's my wonder. I think it's the best card in the pack. Um, but I almost want to take Rotocycle as a card that will definitely, I mean, will make the deck if we're short on playables, but will make any deck where we're short on playables as compared to Cabal yeah. Cutthroat, which I feel like is going to make some hard choices because... Yeah, yeah we're not sure exactly what... Um, our power base is going to look like at this point, so it's hard to tell whether Cutthroat is going to be strong. And it is a 2-2 for 2, even though Lifesteal is a good ability. It's not an ability that affects the board. 
Mm-hmm. So it isn't like a strong two drop. It's strong if you can augment it in, in various ways, which this format isn't really that good at doing. So I like Rotorcycle. I mean, if we ever get Ageless Mentor out before Rotorcycle, it's still a four or five flyer for four, which is amazing. Exactly. Okay, got some cards here. Uh, this next pack has a Wormstone in it. And some other cards uh, <laughs> that are Actually, some good cards for us. There's, there are. You know, there are. There's a Bold Adventurer. There's a Praxis Stranger. Um, and there's another Magma Javelin. And I think we take the Wormstone. I think we probably take the Wormstone, yeah. We only have three spells at this point, but still. Yeah. All right. We'll take the Wormstone. Now we wish we had all those Calibrates. We have uh, a Disjunction. Disjunction. There's a Disjunction in this pack and other cards that aren't Disjunction. Let's take it. Um, so here, uh, the Uncommon is Elvish Swindler, which is a double primal card that plays a relic of your choice with cost two or less from your deck. It costs five. It's a three, four. Uh, the commons are Rampage, Bring Down, Rampage and Bring Down, basically. Bring Down is powerful enough that I'm including it here, even though it's not not in the factions that we're planning to play at this moment. So I guess it's Rampage. There is a Spitfire, and uh, a few drafts ago, I got so wrecked by opponent playing Spitfire. I've, I've been wrecked by Spitfire as well. There are decks where it's correct to play Spitfire. I don't think that we're in one of them. But um, it's a playable it's a playable card that a lot of people dismiss. Yeah, it's it was it was just it was almost humorous how every single attacker of theirs always just happened to like have exactly one less power than all of my guys' toughnesses. So I just could never I block. I also want to point out real fast that um, one of the cards that makes Spitfire a lot better is a card that we have in our pool, which is the um, if you scroll up a little bit. Uh, the shard binder. Yes. Uh, if you have a shard binder in your pet, then then Spitfire, which costs four to do one damage, the first activation each turn will just take one. So you can do two damage to something for five power, which starts to add up real fast. Yeah. So uh, this pack, uh, the uncommons are Xenon Cultist. That's a two four for three shadow shadow. When one of your other units dies. It gets plus two, plus two, so it makes things bigger as they go to the void. There's a plunder, exhaust one of your units to create and draw two treasure troves. And then there's a fall short and a greed's reward in the common slots. Um, As you know, I love me a fall short, but then we're really starting to stretch what we're doing with our our influence base. Um, And plunder is, is, is a fine card. I mean, it draws cards. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever played a plunder before. It's fine. I mean, it's a little bit. It's a very slow way to draw two cards, but it does it does draw them. All right. Triggers our wormstone, and it triggers and it triggers our wormstone. Yeah. I mean, it's a spell. We're in the market for spells. It might not make our final deck, but it's an right. option. Well, should I take fall short then, just in case? Oh boy. Um, in case we don't play like shadow or something. Um. Yeah, I guess that seems hard to... I don't know, I just... I wonder if, like, in pack four, if justice is just really open, maybe we make a juke, but I don't I don't want to with based on our pool, but... Yeah, I also don't want to. Okay. I so think I'll... let's just take the plunder, yeah. 
I, I don't know if that's correct, honestly, but I think it's fine. Okay, so here in this in this pack, there's a lens of clarity and an amethyst ring in the uncommons. There's a TikTok, which is the common. Uh, I don't think any of these cards are making our deck, but I would take the TikTok tick rather over yep. the others. So one one with revenge. Here's some just random justice cards that nobody wanted. There's a rent seeker and a Roland's favor. Doesn't matter which one of them we take. And then an Elaz's elite. All right, so we're going into pack three. We did open a legendary. Um, oh, wait, but dude, it's not let's a good just one. let's sorry. just go over what we've got. Yeah. Should I take the Justice and Primal out? Yeah. So we're basically looking at Praxis splashing Shadow right now because we've got some good early drops in time and some powerful cards in Fire. Uh, and a lot of the cards that we have in Shadow are are splashable, like their Marsh Dragon and our uh, Triumphant Return and Banish. And Banish. Yeah. So uh, that's looking pretty good. It's not exactly... Uh, a classic destruction deck where you've got a lot of sacrifice synergy. Um, it's just a bunch of strong cards in those in those factions. So I think we're in an okay place. Okay. Uh, I, it looks to me like we could use a more early game because our two drops and three drops are looking a little thin. And I mean, pretty thin. We really only got two two drops and one three drop at this point. So we definitely need more of that. And any uh, fix. And any fixing, yes. So, uh, let's take a look at pack three. Uh, the the legendary is Krill Merciless Pillager. Um, that's a it co- uh, it's, uh, she co- uh, she costs seven fire fire primal primal. She's a five five. Her ability when she comes into play is kill all attachments. She gets a random battle skill for each attachment she killed. It's one of the few legendaries that really you don't want to play even if you're in those colors. Like she's fine, but. Um, she hurts you as often as she hurts other people in this draft format. Um, uh, the uncommons are a seed of chaos, which provides fire and shadow. A rock slide—that's uh, the—that's its damage spell for with in in Skycrag. There's a jawbone hatchet. It's a one-one relic weapon that gets uh, that's a three-three relic weapon if you've hit your opponent with it. This uh, sorry with anything this turn. It has spark, which is an old ability. Um, then there's a bunch of commons. I don't know. None of these commons are good. There's an intrepid longhorn if we were in justice. Yeah, the, I think the only one that we'd really be want was swaying sea Karen just because it's a body. It is a body in time. It is a two four for three. Uh, I think that the this is an easy seat of chaos though. Yep, I agree. That's exactly what we said we wanted, and there it is. Um, the rare in this next pack is a crystalline chalice, uh, which is a time primal uh, relic, so I don't think we're considering it. There's a pock pock slingshot, which is a pretty good uh, primal weapon. There's an entrancer, uh, that's a uh, 1 1 for one time, has flying. Uh, its summon ability is silence a unit with cost 3 or less in the enemy player's hand. And then in the common area, we have a hot blood barbarian. A Nahid's Faithful, a Praxis Banner, a Rampage, and a Bane Wolf. So those are all. Those are some choices. There is a two drop, and there's also some fixing. So I would say it's either Hot Blood Barbarian or Praxis Banner. I guess Entrancer is kind of worth considering. I'm not too high on the card myself. Sometimes hmm. it just completely misses. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Were you thinking Entrancer? Because I could be sold. I was not thinking Entrancer. I was debating. I actually missed Hot Blood Barbarian, kind of, and 
You're thinking Nahid's Faithful? Yeah, I don't know. That makes Fire Our Splash, which is really hard with Tattoo Dragon. It's just, I think yeah. it's like the best. It's the card I want out of this pack. But it's also not something you want to play early. So maybe we just have to take Hot Blood Barbarian. Uh, or we could take the Praxis Banner and sort of make our future choices easier. Yeah, sort of. I mean, we're already assuming we're Praxis, so it's not making them that much easier. No, it just makes it easier to play more sigils in your splash color if you have fixing in your main ones. Okay. Yeah, um, take Praxis Banner. Yeah, I think if I was more sure of what the... Again, uh, not knowing exactly how the final influence is going to look, uh, the power base, then... Uh, it's a little tougher to take in the heat's faithful. Let's 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 quickly discuss what would happen if we just went Xenon and then we tried to splash another color. Would we even be? I guess we would definitely be splashing fire. Yeah, uh, it doesn't look great because the, the our best fire card is Tattoo Dragon, which is the double fire, and then all of our other fire cards we more or less want to play pretty early. Or I mean, there's Thunder of Dragon. Covetous Stranger, Inferno Zealot, Magma Javelin, Plunder, and Rampage. So none of them are like particularly great cards besides for Tattoo Dragon and Thunder of Wings, but like they're also I don't know, they don't feel very splashy. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh so I guess it's a question of whether we want a deck that works but doesn't have quite as powerful cards or a, a deck that doesn't work quite as well and might not end up with enough playables <laughs> but has slightly more powerful cards and the that one of them is Nahid's Faithful. I mean, our best card still is Banish. Yeah, our best card still is Banish. Uh, I guess that's true. Well... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we can take the Praxis Banner. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would take Praxis Banner at this point. So here's some more cards. Uh, and one of them is one of the uncommons. Hold on, let me uh, recalibrate my uh, my enthusiasm here. Here we go. Uh, one of the uncommons is uh, Voprex Choice. That's uh, two uh, fire shadow. The enemy player sacrifices a unit of their choice or draw a dragon or a weapon from your void. Uh, there's another. The other uncommon is the Primal Islands Intervention, and. Let's see. What are our commons? We've got a Cinder Matoda. We've got a Valkyrie Denouncer. We've got a Stone Scar Stranger, a Disjunction, and a Varus Favor. I'm leaning between Voprex's Choice and Stone Scar Stranger. Okay, yeah. Stone Scar Stranger is a two drop. We kind of do need two drops. Stone Scar Stranger makes our. Let's see, Voprex's Choice does... What does it get back? It gets back any of our three dragons. It activates Wormstone. It gets back Mag Magma Javelin if we want it. Uh, so it is a strong card, but I do think Stonescar Stranger makes the rest of our deck run a little smoother, so I'm leaning towards that. Yeah, I agree. And this pack has a Seat of Mystery that supplies Time Shadow. There is a Soul's Fury, a Tower Top Patrol... Uh, can, there continue to be okay primal cards. There's a lightning strike in this one. Um, I think that's all the relevant ones. I think we should just take the seat of mystery here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tower top patrols is kind of interesting, especially with ageless mentor. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but 
Yeah, we can take the seed of mystery. Well, yeah, there's a there's a common thing that happens during pack two and pack three where you're afraid you'll get enough playables because all the cards are bad, and you got to remember that all the cards are suddenly going to be good again in pack four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully here, they're not all over the place like pack one was. But yeah, sometimes things. Uh, I think things will will come together, especially because we've been picking up fixing. It's going to be a little easier to take cards in any of three factions. So. Uh, in this pack, we've got a Porcelain Mask as the Uncommon. That's a two-time Relic. Your units have Overwhelm, and it silences a unit in the enemy hand when you play it. There's some Commons. There's a fair number of sort of Medium Justice Commons, but there's also a Cinder Maw Tota. kind of think that Cinder Maw Tota is a relevant card here. Yeah, we have a way to sacrifice it, and we do have a Plunder. <laughs> We do have a plunder, yeah, which makes uh, it. Uh, Cinder Matota's ability that you never hear about is that it, co- it lets uh, treasure troves cost one less, so you can activate them for one. Um, so not only does it create a four-four Cinder Dragon uh, when it with flying that costs six when it dies and let your dragons cost one less, uh, the treasure trove thing is sometimes relevant. Yeah, for those of you who were not watching um, Cassandra's stream today, um, his game one. He played a Covetous Stranger. His opponent played a Covetous Stranger. He played a second Covetous Stranger. His opponent played a second Covetous Stranger. So then both him and his opponent were then discarding treasure troves um, to get back down to hand size. And then turn four, he top decked a Cinder Matoda. And just started playing. He had eight treasure troves in his hand or something. Amazing. <laughs> just started playing them for one power. And he uh, won that game. Yeah. And he was drawing cards for one instead of two like his opponent was. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. All right. So Cinder Matoda there. Yeah. Oh, and we have a Covetous Stranger. We have a Covetous Stranger and a Plunder. So we've got two ways of making treasure troves already. It's great. Uh, this pack has... Uh, let's see... It's got a Jawbone Hatchet, which we described earlier. Um, there's a Sirocco Glider, 2-5 for four time. It has flying when you have a relic. Uh, there's also a Journey Guide. I guess that's all the relevant cards. I'm leaning towards Sirocco Glider. Yeah, Sirocco Glider is fine. We have quite a lot of four drops in this deck. Yes, we do. I just don't believe in Jawbone Hatchet. Mm-hmm. I just... Triggering Spark is just, like, not a thing I want to try to do. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we just have so many four drops. I, I actually would probably take the Journey Guide here. Um, yeah, that that I could be talked into. I think the Journey Guide gives us a little early defense, and then um, and then we we win in the air, you know, with our with our with our flyers and and dragons and wormstones and that wormstone doesn't attack in the air but it's sort of a long-term strategy and journey guide lets us kind of stay alive until that happens and might let us play something early i will say the two things that kind of talk me off of journey guide and maybe i'm over emphasizing this is it is a nambo with our ageless mentor a little bit oh yeah you're right if we draw something and then the cost goes below four yeah, and Sirocco Glider being a, you know, four drops are slightly better in this deck because we do have an Ageless Mentor. We might end up having to play 19 or even 20 power in this deck if we've got too high of a curve is the only thing. Yes, no, that that is true. 
And that's okay, because if we can consistently get to four and then start playing our more powerful cards, that's great. But Ageless Mentor won't always be in our opening hand. Uh, but you're right, it's a non-bow with Journey Guide. We can take Glider. I don't think either one of the cards makes our final deck anyway. Yeah, okay. We might, I mean, like, Glider's kind of an upgrade over Rotor Cycle in some ways, so I don't know. Uh, so here, there's an unkindness. Uh, that's my least favorite card that's ever been printed. It is. Uh, it costs two shadow. It's a cursed relic. At the end of the cursed player's turn, if they didn't play a unit, sacrifice unkindness to play three one-one ravens with flying. Uh, commons are Soul's Fury and Devour, uh, and then some off-color stuff and a decay. Well, unkindness is the best card in this pack. Yeah, it is the best card. Um, it's a lot better at on two than. Any other time? But. It is. It is, but sometimes unkindness is good when everyone's already played all of their units and now you just get another three flyers. Um, yeah, I might as well take an unkindness. This is also, yeah. we're, we've been talking about how high our curve is, so this really isn't a Soul's Fury deck. No, I guess it isn't. Um, and we already have a disjunction. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Let's take the unkindness. Okay, here's some cards. Uh, there's a Vara's Favor. There's uh, There was a Topaz Drake in the last pack, and there's another one here. I guess sometimes Topaz Drakes just go real late. And there's a Temper. There's a Barkeep's Friend. There's a Spite Feeder. Uh, huh. I mean, Vara's Favor is a good card. I don't know what our main two colors are anymore, though. Yeah. <laughs> Like, we've got some fixing, so we might just be sort of straight three colors. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, we could take the Barkeeper's Friend, which continues to raise our curve. It's an okay card. The thing about Vara's Favor is that it's a lot better in decks where you need to Shadow Influence, which we don't for anything at this point. Um, it's... It's it's okay just as a card that might kill something and then replaces itself with a shadow sigil, but it's I, I tend not to prioritize putting it in my deck very highly unless I unless I need the second shadow influence and often you do because there's a lot of good cards that require that second shadow influence and then it's like great. Uh. Barkeep's Friend is not a strong card. It's a 4-2 Relic weapon for 6, and uh, and then it gives you that plus 1, plus 1 weapon afterwards. But it's not an unplayable card either. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do we hope to just open a bunch of the double shadow cards in pack? We might. I mean, I would I would take Bar's Favor on the off chance that we do get some of those really good shadow uncommons, which all take double shadow. Yeah. All right. You okay with that? And here is, uh, there's a Ruin, uh, another Spitfire, a Venom Fang Dagger. Um, I would suggest the Ruin if we didn't already have a Disjunction, but I, there's only so many attachment removal spells I want to play in a deck usually. Um, and Venom, Venom Fang Dagger might be okay here, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's not super exciting, but... It's not... It's not super exciting, but um, 
it's good on Switchblade Dead Eyes, and it's good on anything with Overwhelm. So we've got a handful of units that we could potentially put it on. But this is probably this is probably a blank pick. And here, there's a Centaur Outrider. Uh, it's another four drop, so it's almost certainly not making the deck. But I, uh, might as well just take it over the other commons, which don't do anything. There's a Cinder Dragon and a Fervent Siphoner. So Fervent Siphoner is a two drop. And that's nice. Cinder Dragon is a 4-4 flyer for 6. Huh. I would take the Cinder Dragon, but... Is that yeah, I think, I think it's fine. Take the Cinder Dragon. We've got a Cinder Matota that curves into Cinder Dragons nicely. We don't have a lot of sacrifice synergy. It's really just the Marsh Dragon. Uh, and then the last common is Borrowed Violence. And in case you've forgotten what Borrowed Violence does, it's cost 0 and Shadow. Every unit in your hand gets plus 1 strength. I think I've seen somebody play it once in draft. All right, so where are we at? We're still a little light on units. We're still not exactly sure where we are um, because a lot of our... Sh I don't know. I think we're still Praxis splashing Shadow, though it's getting to be a heavier and heavier splash um, by the moment here. Um, and we're still a little light on units, especially if we cut our early shadow units, of which we have a top tick and a switchblade deadeye. Uh, then we're down to 12 units. Not all of them great. Um, our attachments are an unkindness and a venom fang dagger, a magma javelin, and a wormstone. And then our spell suite is disjunction, plunder, rampage, vars favor, banish, triumphant return, and thunder of wings. Yeah. Okay, so obviously the main thing we're missing is early game, I think. Uh, our late game plan is to put some dragons in the air and attack with them. Uh-huh. Uh, which is a great late game plan. So I think if we shore up our early game um, and really solidify what our power base is going to look like, then I think we're, we're in fine shape. So you're saying we shouldn't take this Shugo's Hook Sword? I'm saying that I would take Mark Maker over it. I can see that... I just don't know if I'm that ex I mean, we do have, like, a a couple big dragons. We don't have that. We have, like, Tattoo Dragon, Marsh Dragon, and Cinder Dragon. And uh, Thunder of Wings. And Thunder of Wings. Okay. So you think, you think that's enough and we should just go with Mark Maker here? I think our early game is weak enough that we need some cards in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that I think we need more two and three drops, or we're going to get run over before we before we get a chance to make a shoot goes hook sword. Yeah, I guess I just am thinking about all of the um, blade crafters that got passed, and wonder if we could just have a Shugo hook sword and a blade crafter, and then still get our two drops. <laughs> well, that's a lot of pressure to put on ourselves, I would say. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take the matchmaker. We haven't really described this pack at all, but uh, the, the un, there's there's a Shugo's Hooked Sword and a Mark Maker in the uh, Uncommons, and there's also a Mysterious Waystone. The rare is Tradition Chant, so that's the time just as primal thing. And then there's a bunch of Commons, but they're not as good as, as Hooked Sword or Mark Maker. Yeah. All right, we'll take Mark Maker. I think you're going to be happy with Mark Maker as a choice here. Mm-hmm. So here in this next pack, this is pack this is pick two of pack four. Uh, the rare is Blazing Salvo. That's uh, that's a fast spell, costs one fire, deal two damage to a unit, and you can swap a card from your hand with a two cost card in your market. 
the other other uncommons, or rather, uh, the uncommons are uh, fire conjuring. That's the uh, three fire fire fast spell. Your units get plus two strength this turn, and if you decimate your maximum power, you can invoke in fire. Uh, and then there's some other cards as a token of destruction in the commons. There's an Inferno Zealot. There's a Turn Back Time. So I guess this is between Blazing Salvo and Fire Conjuring? I think so. What's our removal look like at this point? Is not there? We don't have any, right? Is that... Got uh, Banish. Banish. Got Banish and Vara's Favor to some degree? Yeah. So is that making you lean towards Blazing Salvo? Yeah, it is. All right. We do have like a couple, like we could get a Van- Venom Fanged Dagger, Unkindness, yeah. or a Switchblade Deadeye. Yeah, we two. do have some interesting two drops, so I think it's, I think it'll be, be this will be fun. We'll have a market. Uh, in the next pack, there's a Strange Gladiator as the rare. When a player plays a stranger, units and weapons in their hand get plus one, plus one. If you pay for an exhaust Strange Gladiator, you kill an enemy relic, and that is a repeatable ability. Uh, it costs three fire time, and it is a three three. Uh, it seems like it goes well with our practice deck. Certainly does. Our practice deck that we need three drops for pretty good. Um, there's some other stuff, but it's such a it's such an on brand rare that we might as well just take it. And in this next pack, there is a some cards in this pack, man. <laughs> The, uncom- the uncommons are Defile and Aramot's Machinations. We discussed Defile earlier. Aramot's Machinations uh, uh, is a five-time shadow spell. Uh, play a one-cost unit, a two-cost unit, and a three-cost unit from your void. They all get plus one, plus one, and Overwhelm. One of the strongest uncommons in the format. There are some commons here, too. There's Burning Core Drake and Platinum Kieran. We only have the one one drop, but I've never let the lack of one drop stop me from playing Aramot's Machinations before. Yeah, I mean, our two drops are also not super exciting to get back. No, they're not. I would love to get any of our three drops back, though. We have some. Yes. We have not many, but we have really good three drops. Yeah, they're very, very good. Uh, if we, yeah, our early game is kind of is kind of weak. I guess it's it's. Probably between Defile and Aramot's Machinations, though. Let's see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Defile is probably the more responsible choice. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. It is a good spell. Um, and we do have... Uh, well, Wormstone... Uh, they're both spells, so they both activate Wormstone. We already have a Triumphant Return to bring things back once. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, this so is a that, tough that, choice. This is my. This is the toughest choice for me so far. Do you have any more thoughts? No, I. I kind of want to lean to Aramot's machinations, but I'm just kind of a greedy person. Right. Uh, let's take Aramot's machinations. I. Yeah, that's fine. I think it's. I think it's a more dramatic thing <laughs> to do. I guess and that's. It's kind of fun that way. Uh, this next pack isn't exactly hooking us up, though. Uh, there's a Spellbound Vestige. That's the uncommon. Commons include Humbug Nest. Uh, that would create one-drops for us. And a Switchblade Deadeye and a Soul Drain Smithing. I guess we don't really have the weapons to consider Soul Drain Smithing, though. Um, yeah. I guess I would I would say Humbug Nest is fine. It does give one-drops to reanimate with Aramot's Machinations. Makes it... All right. Makes it a little harder because you do need two time on a, on turn three, but um, 
you know, it's a fine card by itself. So yeah, okay. give something yeah. for our dragon yeah. to eat. Here we go. Uh, there's a uh, there's commons here. Let's just I'll, I just won't read the strong commons that aren't in our main colors. We're not going to switch at this point. So there's a switchblade deadeye, a triumphant return, and a grave watch ancestor. Yep, and I'm leaning towards the grave watch ancestor. Here. I would agree with that. Yeah. And in this next pack, there is another Humbug Nest. There's a Skeletal Dragon, a Token of Destruction, and I guess a Yeti Cookmaster. I kind of just want to take the Token of Destruction. I would agree with that. I think we need the fixing. This next pack has a Rectifier and other cards. Let's take a Rectifier. I agree. Someone's left a Razor Pain Hellkite there, but that is not what we want right now. Um, and then this pack has Rune Marker, Rage, Succumb, and Soul Drain Smithing, none of which we're going to play. Yeah, so... Maybe there'll be a late. I'll take, uh, sick, or forget it. <laughs> uh, so here there's an urgent missive and an entranced cultist. I think a trans cultist is an okay pickup for us. Yeah. I don't know if we play it or not, but it's there. Uh, and then the last, in the end here, there's a tainted mark, which just throws your theory of getting late, late tainted marks just, uh, all out of whack. Here's it does. one. I agree. This job. Here's one second to last. <laughs> I think it's like the eighth one. I haven't been saying uh, every time there's been a tainted mark, but this, there's been a lot. Yeah, there have been a few in this draft. I agree. And okay. then a last pick, uh, Switchblade Deadeye, underappreciated. I think this deck came together fine. We have a lot of we have a lot of dragons. Those are our win conditions. Uh, we've got a couple of really powerful cards like Strange Gladiator. We've got yeah, Rectifier fine. and some good removal. This is just a good average deck. Yeah, fine is how I describe this deck. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I, but also, that's. I mean, it's not. There's nothing to be sad about. Sometimes decks are fine. Yeah. So. Um, yep. And so. Right now, we sort of ending the draft with 34 playables. And are we describing this as an 18 power deck? I think it still looks like an 18 power deck. Yeah, I think so. Depends on how many, how many four drops we end up playing. Yeah. Uh, but we don't have a ton of really high end stuff. We've got our, our uh, we have uh, Inferno Zealot, Marsh Dragon, Aramot's Machinations as our five drops, uh, Cinder Dragon as our one six drop. So that says 18 power usually to me. Yes. So for me, the main questions I have are, are we comfortable with our Praxis Banner, Seed of Chaos, Seed of Mystery, and Token of Destruction, and Stone Scar Stranger to be playing an Entranced Cultist and two Switchblade Deadeye? Especially with us having a double time and a double fire card. No, I would lean towards treating Shadow as more of a splash here, even though we have some early game Shadow cards. Well, here's my question. Here's my question for you. Okay. Um, if we cut out Humbug Nest, then time we can kind of afford to play some of our cards later. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take a look at that. I think that's fine. Because the because in Shadow we have a Transcultist, Switchblade, Deadeye, Unkindness, Varus Favor. Sure all of which kind of like to be played early while our time, you know, we have a shard binder, but nothing that actually we don't have to play shard binder. Cause it is literally just a three, two with overwhelm yep. in this deck with no, <clears throat> with no abilities. And then we have the ageless mentor, which we kind of want to play early, but 
it's fine as long as we have a four drop in hand. That's true. And then the rest of them, we can kind of play late in okay. time. Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, also, I think our fixing is good enough that we'll be able that we're not going to have that many influence problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a ton, but I think it's I think we're we're in the range where, um, where I don't think it's uh, we're going to have major problems there. So yeah, let's take out Humbug Nest. And then take out the Soul Drain Smithing. It doesn't do anything for us. And uh, let's take out the Shard Binder. So we're looking at this as Stone Scar Splash uh, with with time cards coming in a little bit later. I would say we could probably take out the Sirocco Glider because we don't have a lot of relics and we have a lot of four drops. But I'm not sure if that uh, you could argue me out of that, maybe. Yeah, I guess it'd be for me between Centaur Outrider and Sirocco Glider. I, I think that this is more of a Centaur Outrider deck than a Sirocco Glider deck. This is a, just a couple of things like uh, like Rampage and Entranced Cultist and stuff that make having a 5-2 better yeah. than having a 2-5 a that very, very, very occasionally flies. But uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe we don't uh, play. I, maybe we don't play either one. Yeah, though, then we're getting low on lo- units because we're right now down to seventeen units. We're uh, we're at plus two units though because we have Thunder of Wings and Wormstone, both of which are units plus unkindness. So really, we're more at like twenty units. Yeah, and Triumphant Return and Aramot's Machinations. And do you think eighteen power and a Vara's favor? No, I would count Vara's Favor as a power, and I'm not convinced that we definitely need to play it. Okay. And so then, if we keep the Vara's Favor, we're at 29 cards, and so we just need two more cuts? So, uh, I guess we could decide if Plunder is actually good enough here. Uh, How many cards do we have that activate our Switchblade Deadeyes? We have Entranced Cultist, Venom Thang Dagger, and... Mark Maker. Mark Maker. So not a lot. Uh, also, Aramont's Machinations when we bring it back. And Rampage temporarily. So let's have a little bit of dead air while we think about this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards cutting the plunder. I don't know. It just seems slow for what this deck wants to do. Yeah, I do. we do want to attack a bunch with this deck for sure. Um, and I think we have a fair amount of sort of virtual card advantage in in the sense that we can, um, you know, Aramot's Machinations is card advantage, and uh, well, I guess that's that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess Plunder really isn't uh really isn't that great. The only really fun thing with it is is the Cinder Matota synergy. Yes. Okay, we can take out Plunder. I'm sort of sad about it for some reason. Yeah. I mean, even with this, and even with the Cinder Matota synergy, it's you're still paying four power to draw two cards. Yeah, it's not it's not great. That's as good as it ever gets. You're right. So we've got eight spells to activate Wormstone at this point. Um, I think we could probably take the Centaur Outrider out at this point. We've got plenty of things to do on turn four, and it's 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 a filler card. 
Um, and that's it. Uh, that would be the deck, right? So that would bring us down to 28, 27. Yeah, this is fine. So let's uh, add power and see what, what this what this does. So uh, for those listening at home, to or rather to the podcast, <laughs> what we have now is Entranced Cultist, Covetous Stranger, Stone Scar Stranger, Two Switchblade Dead Eyes, Ageless Mentor, Gravewatch Ancestor, Mark Maker, Rectifier, Strange Gladiator, Cinder Matota, Rotor Cycle, Tattoo Dragon, Inferno Zealot, Marsh Dragon, Cinder Dragon. Uh, that's our units. Our attachments are Unkindness, Venom Fang Dagger, Magma Javelin, and Wormstone. Our spells are Blazing Salvo, Disjunction, Rampage, Vars Favor, Banish, Triumphant Return, Aramot's Machinations, and Thunder of Wings. Uh, and we have uh, Praxis Banner, Seed of Chaos, Seed of Mystery, and Token of Destruction for fixing. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me is Venom Fang Dagger here, uh, but I, I kind of feel like it'll be good enough. Yes. I almost feel like we have to play just because we have two Switchblade Dead Eyes. Right. It just is it's going to be that much more often that we can turn them into five fours with Deadly on turn three. And occasionally you just win games that way. Sometimes if somebody can't deal with your early Switchblade Dead Eye in time, they just die. So it's sort of a free win. Um, and, you know, sometimes you can just put it on a flyer or whatever. Put it on Inferno, Zealot, and Crash in. There's a, there's a few things. There's a few, We've got a We've got some overwhelm potential in here, just between Inferno Zealot and like Rampage and Aramot's Machinations, and that's when Venom Fang Dagger suddenly kills people. So Mark Maker. Um, so we've got some two drops that we can put in our market as well, right? Oh, Shardbinder. We can put, put Shardbinder and Plunder in our market. Oh yeah, I forgot about Plunder into the market. I'm feeling much better about cutting it now. Yeah. So we can put Plunder in the market. We can put Soul Drain Smithing in the market. We could get back our Magma Javelin or our Venom Dagger. And I think that's it. So we've got a Plunder, a Shard Binder, and a Soul Drain Smithing in our market now. All right. So I think we will end our show there. Uh, thank okay. you again uh, to all our patrons for making this show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Join us in our Discord. There's a link in the show notes. And finally, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts about the show. And don't forget to send in all your 7-1 deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Have a good night. Goodbye.